Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Surewinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called All Brace and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the All Brace and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're going to want to check it out at all-brace.com. What's up, Garage Door Nation? This is Ryan with Torsion Talk Podcast. I'm your host. We have the fabulous co-host, Tamara. Hello. She's still getting used to all the space on both sides. Yeah. If you on YouTube. Um, and then today I have a special guest, Phil Parham. Phil, how are you today? Doing all right. How about you, Ryan? Doing well. You want to give us a, a quick introduction, uh, who you are, what you do, where you work? Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, like, like you said, my name is Phil Parham. I'm a uh, construction law attorney at the law firm of Baker Donaldson. Uh, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia here, but we've got, of course, a, a footprint throughout the southeast. Um, and although we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, em employment law type of situations, I, I know just enough to be dangerous in this area. Uh, but, uh, I, uh, you know, I work very closely with our employment law team for a lot of my clients and, um, have dealt with this area before enough to kind of give some, uh, you know, some commentary on it for sure. Uh, I do, of course, have to make my my disclaimer that nothing I say on this is legal advice. You would expect uh, an attorney to do nothing yeah. less. Disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, all right, here we go. We'll, we'll cut, it, cut it. Up. You know, all right, all right. So here's the disclaimer. Uh, yeah. uh, I am an attorney. I'm not your attorney. Uh, anything I say on here is uh, not legal advice, nor does it reflect the views or opinions of my law firm, Baker Donaldson. Uh, but they are my personal insights and uh, opinions based upon my own experience. So um, that's, uh, I, I think that that will. That's suffice. it. That's it, man. Done. You did it like a pro. <laughs> a pro. I've done one or two of these, I think. I'm a, I can only imagine. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're in season six. We're talking about company culture. And in my conversations with employees and the, um, in the garage door industry, I hear employers and employees, there's a lot of chatter online about uh, like contractual agreements between employers and employees. So I wanted to bring my buddy Phil on. Um, I call him my buddy more than my attorney. Uh, I reference him probably more like a buddy because um, we actually met 
at a trade show. It was the um, it was a home show, and he and his yep, wife. Uh, in Gwinnett, yeah, it was the Gwinnett area home show there. And, uh, he did the raffle, and they won. And uh, then I get a phone call from this guy, like, "Hey, man, uh, listen, you want to go shoot clays with me?" And I'm like, and at the time, I was like so stressed out. I just remember that being like a really dark time for me and like feels one of those, like he's so happy all the time. I feel like and even <laughs> if you're not, I feel like you still like just have good positive energy. And I love that about you. And, and I was like, I could use a day out with people. I don't know that way I can just freaking relax and just chill. And so I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll go. And it's so uncharacteristic of me to do that and like actually do something for myself. And that's turned into like, what, four years straight or three or four years straight of, of us going to this um, clay shooting tournament uh, for charity oh, yeah. through the, um, what is it? AGC? The Associated General Contractors of Georgia. Um, I'm on the, uh, the council for their Young Leaders Program and uh which is their charitable uh giving wing and we we have two main events every year is a golf tournament and a uh a, a charity skeet shoot and through that we're able to usually raise you know about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars uh that we can use to give back to the uh the community and nobody at this tournament likes me because i get first place every year and, yeah uh, <laughs> what you're not even gonna let me lie about it oh, no man. joke though seriously like the highest score you can get is like 100 and there's this one guy like every year who does like 98 or 99 i've just yeah uh, i'm yeah. usually hovering in the 50 60 range uh yeah, but we'll get i'm that. getting better we'll get that. i bought my own shotgun out. i'm growing into an adult dude at 42 i got my own shotgun now so when I go, I take, I take my own shotgun instead of borrowing his. Like I, I'm developing, developing, but I always, I always get the golf carts. I take care of those. That's my job. Yes, you do. Yes, and, and I appreciate you uh, uh, adding to my um, aversion to uh, exerting myself physically by doing that. Uh, of course, dude. We are way too fat to be walking and shooting. <laughs> He needs to be riding for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, it's like a little golf. It's like a little golf. Anyway, we're getting off topic. People are yeah. listening because they want to hear about um, culture and employment contracts, and it's very easy for me to get distracted. So, um, oh, me too. We we this may go longer than normal. Right. There's a very <laughs> I'll, high I'll likelihood we're going to be talking about the metaverse and crypto before this conversation is <laughs> over. Oh lord. Um, oh, lord. <laughs> So he, here's here's where the conversation starts, right? I'm talking to business owners, I'm talking to employees, and I've got business owners like, hey, what should I have my employers employees sign? And I feel like there's a lack of trust there. It's kind of like when you're getting married and you're asking your wife or your husband for a prenup. It's always like uncomfortable a little bit, right? So it's kind of like that with a um, a non compete in a way. And, and employees don't like it because, hey, I've been in this industry for 10, 15 years, or you're teaching me this industry, and this is what I know. This is my career, and then you're going to tell me that I can't 
work in it after I work for you, like even if you're a bad employer. And so I've, I've digested all these comments from people and I felt like, you know what, I got to get Phil on because uh, I want to talk a little bit about the legalities of it and, um, and then t- me kind of tie in the culture aspect, you know, here at Aaron Overhead Doors and such and such media, I don't actually have my team sign a non-compete that specifically states that they can't work in marketing or garage doors. And the reason why that is, is because I feel like that's lame from, from my perspective, from a culture leader perspective. And I'll tell you why there's more to it. And and Phil is used to representing businesses to protect their interest. So he's going to give that perspective um, and what that means for employee employees. Uh, but from my perspective, if I, it, it allows me to hold myself accountable to trying to create the best possible workplace that people don't want to leave. And that's my job. And so if I suck at that, then they should be able to leave and go work somewhere else that can treat them better or they can, you know, money's their primary, but everybody's got their own thing. So I view that as that shouldn't be the employee issue. That should be the employer issue. And the employer, in my opinion, is pushing that off onto the employee. And, um, you know, it puts a lot of stress on employees if they, you know, let's say management changes and that manager sucks, and now you got an employee dealing with a sucky manager and they want to leave. But then, you know, they're sitting at home talking to their wife and their kids and whatever. If I leave, we can get, you know, sued or whatever. And so there's a lot of stress. And, and so I want to kind of sum some of that up. And then there's other aspects of employment, employment agreements like uh, intellectual property um, and um, uh, stealing customers. There's more gracious terms for those. But we're going to spend a lot of time uh, on employment agreements and culture today. So I'm going to let uh, Phil talk a little bit about um, non-competes. And uh, the main thing I want to hit on is, uh, I guess you could first start out with, what are the highlights of a a non-compete for an employer and employee relationship? Well, and, and you make some good points there. And, and to your point, you, you really do have these conflicting interests for an employer, right? I, it, on the one hand, they want to uh, retain their valuable employees. They want to uh, gain market share in their industry. They want to be known for exceptional customer service. And they can only do that by retaining these highly valuable, hardworking employees who are knowledgeable and have good interface with the customers. But at the same time, you know, we live in a uh, a, a society where um, the, the freedom of opportunity for an uh, employee to change jobs, uh, to change careers, uh, to go out there and even open up their own business and compete with a former employer is um, is very important. It's kind of foundational in our system. So uh, you've got these conflicting interests. One an employer needs to be able to retain its valuable employees and its clients. Uh, but at the same time, they need to protect their business. You know, that they need to um, protect their, their trade secrets, their processes, their, you know. Um, is a process though, intellectual property, is that a thing? 
Uh, well, as far as intellectual property, in in the broadest sense, uh, and now you're really going down a, a rabbit hole that I'm I'm not familiar with. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll dial it back a little bit. Hi, but, uh, <laughs> so you know, IP would generally, in, in my world at least, uh, uh, be more like uh, sys like uh, like software that you use, how yeah, you that's, price that's your product, things like well, that. Well, I. IP would would in my world would be trademarks, uh, patents, copyrights, things like that. But what, in the sense that you're using the term, I feel would be your confidential client list, what your bidding uh, formulas are, things like that. So it's it's what we call uh, a trade secret or confidential information on the lesser hand of that. And you want to protect that because uh, that's very valuable to your competitors. Uh, for example, if you've got a high-performing salesperson who works for you and they are the interface between your company and your multiple clients, that's who the client relates to. They, they don't necessarily have an emotional connection to your, your logo or your brand name. In, in some cases they do, but they really have built a relationship with the person that interfaces with them. Now, if that person that interfaces with them has that client contact list, they know your processes, they know what you pay for a product versus what you can sell it at and the margins, uh, they can easily go out and either start their own business or take that client list and all of that knowledge and really do damage to your business. So uh, your there brand. are tools. Yeah, exactly. And there are tools in place uh, legally that you can use. And there's no one size fits all. You know, there, there's no magic silver bullet. This really is a toolbox for employees to use and to tailor to their own needs. Um, and it, and, and those tools generally are are non-compete clauses in employment agreements, non-solicitation clause, clauses, and confidentiality um, and non-disclosure uh, provisions. But that you know, merely having those does not guarantee that you are going to protect your business or retain your employees. Back to your point, you have to create a work environment and know your employees and know what they value. Uh, in order to retain those employees. And that that's the employer's job. It, it, not everyone, I, I heard someone say once that, you know, well, I'm, I'm losing employees because the other side is, is just, you know, my competition is just offering more money. Um, but, you know, and, and money and, and salary can be someone's currency, but there's no doubt about it. For a person like me who has got, you know, two children under three years old, a full-time. Uh, They're adorable, uh, too, by the way. <laughs> happen to look more like his wife, just so you guys know. They but do. they're adorable. Yeah, they, yeah, they, uh, they definitely won the uh, the gene pool lottery <laughs> there uh, by getting her looks. But, uh, mm -hmm. but she's also a full-time attorney. And my... My currency at my employer at Baker Donaldson is not necessarily my salary. You know, it, it's the intangible things like being able to be my own boss, you know, being able to come you in. You just lost it, all your leverage for a raise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, but, you know, being able to, to kind of set my own hours. I can come in at 4 a.m. and get off at 3 so I can help my wife with the kids or or other things like that. So, um, you know, realizing that retaining valuable employees isn't necessarily dictated by being the highest um, 
you know, payer in the marketplace is an important thing for, for that goal. Yeah. And, and I see the employer side of like not wanting to lose people because I mean, I know what I invest into people and it's a lot. And so like, if we take, uh, you know, buying the truck, outfitting it, getting the tools, the ladder, uh, the uniforms, um, setting them up on 401k, setting them up on health insurance, like all the man hours to do that, all the money that goes into it, all the training, getting certified, like all of that is a huge investment for us. Um, and, you know, ideally we want them to stay and we have a really good, like, well, I think now we have people who appreciate what we're doing and they want to stay here long-term. And so that's good. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're working through some of the, you know, some of the other things, but I don't, I don't feel like a piece of paper or something like, um, some type of legality should be the reason why someone stays here, you know, personally. Um, because if they don't want to be here, I don't want them here straight up because their performance isn't going to be as good, you know, all that stuff. And and I know we're going beyond like the legalities of it, but um, that's part of the the podcast, right? Is the, how do you, how do you merge the culture and I want to be here with the legalities of an employer agreement an employment agreement um, and what does that feel like? And so uh, in my experience, Phil, you know, I was in software, so we dealt a lot with non-competes um, and, you know, people would get really frustrated because they, you know, uh, you'd say, Hey, you know, if you're leaving, did they stick the non-compete out there? Just make sure you're not competing in this space. And, and you're like, whoa, what? Like, this is my career. This is what I know. This is what I do. Like, you want me to start all over with lower income and all this stuff? Um, I, I think that that's a bad practice. Just my opinion, of course. Um, but at the same time, I do have a very, like, uh, different style of, of management and leading. Um, but I also understand protecting, you know, our people are our assets. Like we, we do, we may do garage doors, you may do roofing, whatever. And in the roofs and the doors, I mean, they're important, but they're not nearly as important as the people, right? Because if you can't find anybody to sell you doors, you can make your own doors. Um, but you can't make people. I mean, I guess we could make people. Have y'all seen the, um, speaking of, I'm gonna get a little rabbit trail here. The, uh, the little TikTok. have you made your own people yet? I made my own people and I'm their leader. You've seen that? It's on Instagram. No, I'm, I, I, I Comedian did a bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, a yeah. So people are on Instagram and TikTok and it's like, uh, it, he's like, yeah, it's a comedian. And they're like playing it out with the kids in the background. They're like, have you made your own people yet? I made my own people and they made me their leader. And so it's like funny and the kids are like hanging from different things or whatever. Um, yeah. So anyway, sorry, rabbit trail. Um, so how ironclad though, really, and this is another reason why I feel like it's not uh, that important, but how ironclad is a non-compete when it comes to like staying in the same industry? So um Baker Donaldson hey, business a hundred percent, but everybody else it's not. 
<laughs> so, well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, like, like many questions in life, I think the correct answer there is it depends. Um, first, for the, the people who are tuning in, um, understand what a non-compete is. Uh, a non-compete essentially is where an employee agrees not to start a competing business or work for a competitor for a certain period of time after their employment ends uh, at, the, at the current employer. And, um, you know, you, you talk about employee retention and, and uh, the fact of the matter is, is that no matter how good of an employer you are, people leave. Uh, yeah. You know, situations change, circumstances change at home, values change, um, and people are going to leave. And, and why these are important to an employer is because when that person leaves, you want to have the, particularly for key employees and key personnel, you want to have the time uh, after that person leaves your employment to, uh, you know, build up or retain whatever goodwill that they had and put it back onto your brand name instead of with that person um, to uh, just ensure you're protecting yourself against any uh, competition that that person could give you that is that would be considered unfair or you know below board and um, you know you want to limit uh, essentially people who have you know intimate knowledge of your employment processes um, how your business works you want to limit um, you know the people with knowledge people you have trained from using the resources that you give them to to harm your business i mean they know your customers they know your clients they know your other employees and uh, from the employer perspective uh, these non-competes are tools by which they can control the actions of former employees after they've left the company. And of course, from the employee perspective, they do. They limit the employee's future options. They don't mess with the traditions of free enterprise and the right to make a living uh, of your choice and, and where you choose. And, you know, these. That's where it's been difficult, right? Yeah, in these public policy kind of considerations are at odds. Um, and in fact, some states do not allow non-compete clauses. Uh, you know, some of some states do, but they will always have restrictions on them, limiting their their length, the territorial restrictions, or other employ other limits on the employees' right to let's say move to greener pastures, so to speak. So, um, Mike, just but, real quick, if I understand yeah. this correctly. In the state of Georgia, and we'll just talk about Georgia because you and I are both okay. here. In the state of Georgia, um, the only time I've ever seen a non-compete when it comes to staying in the same industry uh, be withheld, in my experience, which is limited, but um, you can fill in the blanks here, is when, like, um, they might be, like, the only salesperson or whatever. And they're like, well, you can't do it in the state of Georgia or like the territory that you were in already, but you can do it in another territory. Like I've seen that happen. Is that, is that kind of like the big thing now? Like, okay, so you're, 
you were a salesperson that was very successful with this company. You had contributed largely to driving a lot of the sales. Now you're leaving. And as long as you don't work this territory, then you're good. But um, I feel like I've seen the courts hold up that um, you can stay in the same industry, but just not the same like territory or clients. Right, and what you, what you're kind of doing is is painting with pretty broad strokes. Uh, but the the key point here is that in the states that do permit non competes, um, they they look at the reasonableness of the non compete clauses. Uh, and you know the key question, particularly when you're drafting a non compete or having an attorney draft your non compete for you as an employer, is you know what is reasonable. Uh, it, and necessary to protect my business. And if it's unreasonable the way that you're trying to protect your business, if it's, if it's not necessary to protecting your business, then um, the, the court's probably not going to uphold the validity or the enforceability of your non-compete. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, Aaron overhead doors, uh, you know, you probably have got a very core uh, radius around your operations where the majority of your business comes from. Uh, and, and in fact, if you were to travel from Atlanta to Macon for a job, they'd have to pay you pretty darn well to do that for it to be profitable for you, particularly a multi-day job. And so in in our example, if if Aaron Overhead Doors was to have a non compete clause, and it were to say that you know our salespeople uh, for a period of two years uh, are not allowed to compete in in the same industry as us uh, within the state of Georgia, I I would advise you that uh, courts are probably going to look at that as an unreasonable restriction on the employee's right to uh, make a living and to um, use the knowledge that they've gained to feed their family uh, and to choose where to go. Uh, But if you were to say, okay, within a 50-mile radius from any uh, physical location, you know, owned and operated by air and overhead doors, that is a much more reasonable restriction. So your reasonableness is judged not only on the territorial restriction, but also the time restriction. You know, depending on how key uh, this employee was to you, uh, you know, if it's just someone who installs overhead doors for you, um, you know, maybe a three-month restriction is reasonable uh, to keep to to allow you to get someone else in their position and to go out and maintain the business that you have um, but if it's someone who is your you know your operations manager for commercial installation well you know that may require uh, six months a year year so and a half have different non-competes for different positions in your company essentially based on how long it'll take you to recover because ultimately if they leave they could get like a head start um on a uh, on something and have a competitive advantage based on what they know so that makes a lot of sense to me and i haven't really put like a lot of thought into it from that perspective but now that that is there i definitely see the benefit what what is so i'm hearing a lot about employers who have employees like normally this is taking care of when you're when you're onboarding 
through your employment agreement, right? But right. what about employers who come to you and you've been with the company for like three years and they're updating all their taxes, their their uh, their guidelines and procedures, and they come to you and they say, hey, uh, we want you to sign this new updated non-compete. What rights do employees have? Can they deny that and say, well, I already signed one when I started here? Um, or are, is it kind of, I mean, it's a right to work state. So, I mean, technically, I think Georgia could probably fire you for whatever reason they wanted. Um, but uh, to me, I feel like, well, I agreed to work here based on this premise, but now you're changing it and I either have to sign it or go find other employment. Um, so I've, I've had that conversation with a couple employees recently, and I uh, just wanted to get your input as so far, like, um, you know, sounds to me like from your perspective, you're going to say something like, well, when they bring on Baker Donaldson, we review all their documents and we find areas of improvement <laughs> is what we would do. And that seems the right path, right? Um, you know, if we're hiring a company to come in and button things up, uh, but from an employee standpoint, we're like, you know, I'm not me, I'm not an employee, but, uh, you know, talking about company culture and trying to like create that, um, you know, uh, I want you to work here and I want you to want to work here type of environment. Um, I don't know. I feel like that kind of pigeonholes employees a little bit uh, to either sign it or have to go quit and go work somewhere else. Right. Well, I, I think from both sides and going back to the enforceability in the case where, you know, you've got an employee who has been with an organization uh, without a non-compete for a period of time, that is, is treated a little bit differently than someone who is being hired and has to sign a non-compete as part of their onboarding process. But uh, what's important to remember is non-competes are contracts, right? And uh, one of the you know, basic tenets of contract law is that uh, all contracts, in order to be valid, must be supported by consideration, what's, what's called consideration. And consideration is, ex is simply an exchange of value. All right, so your employee is giving up something. Uh, your employee is giving up his right to work within a certain territory and for a certain period of time in a, a business that is a direct competitor with, the, with his current employer. So he's giving up something. He must receive something in exchange for what he is giving up in order for the contract to be deemed valid. Now, when you're onboarding someone, and as part of their onboarding process as a new employee, you have them sign a, uh, a non-compete clause. Most courts have said, you know, the, the job in and of itself is sufficient value to give to that employee uh, in exchange for what they are giving up. Um, but if they're already employed, you really do risk the non-compete being unenforceable unless something new of value is given they've already got their job. They're already at their salary. You know, they've already got the benefits that they have. Um, and when an employer puts down a, we need you to sign this non-compete now that, you know, this is a new policy of the company, uh, unless they are giving some new value uh, in exchange for what the employee is giving up, they risk 
the non-compete clause being completely unenforceable. So you have to provide a real benefit. And, you know, it can be in the form of a promotion or a salary increase. Additional um, days off. Yes, yes, things like that. And and then not only do you protect yourself from the not as an employer, protect yourself from uh, the non-compete being deemed unenforceable for lack of consideration. Uh, you've also, you know, increased your, um, you know, your value from uh, from an employee's standpoint because you're saying I am asking you to give something up, but in order to do this, I want to make sure that you're being compensated for what I'm asking, and that goes right back into the culture of your of your business. And I, I think doing something like that. Uh, serves both purposes of, of protecting your business from unfair competition uh, by former employees, but it also gives something of value to them so that your culture is, you know, maintains one that you can retain those valuable employees. So, um, so Phil, I just want to tell you that I was so against non-competes prior to this conversation. And as we talk, I'm feeling more and more confident of the fact that maybe we should have one like well, in a versus like, right. because yeah. you don't have to, you, you like, you don't have to pursue it. Um, you can, I would say like, uh, I guess if you don't, you set a precedence. Um, but at the same time, like, even if it was like, Hey, uh, like what you mentioned, like 50 mile radius, I probably wouldn't do that. But what if I did a, you know, 20 mile radius around, you know, our business, you can't, can't do it. Um, you know, I'm thinking back on some of the issues we've had in the past. I'm like, man, this would probably solve a couple of problems for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. From an employer perspective, um, I could tell you, we had somebody come here from another company and that company sent us a copy addressed to us of their non-compete with the employee um, is that like a scare tactic or from an employer's perspective, is there any liability for bringing somebody on that's in a non-compete with another company? Well, um, first I'm, I'm glad that you're opening yourself up to, uh, to having non-competes looked at and considering them for your business. That means more, uh, more business to me from Aaron. <laughs> more billable hours. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, be careful on getting into too many details on the podcast because I'll have to turn on my clock, you know. Yeah, but right? uh, yeah, I'm gonna work um, it all I can. Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, um, it, that that kind of goes to the enforceability. How are these non-compete clauses enforced? And um, oftentimes, these non-compete clauses are uh, because they say you cannot do something, and you've agreed not to do something if you as an employee go out and do that thing that you've agreed not to do, there is a risk of your former employer bringing a lawsuit against you and your new employer uh, that seeks what is called equitable relief, not, not just damages. So damages can be uh, monetary, uh, where you are asking for a judgment in X amount of dollars for the damage someone's caused to you by breaching the contract. Or they can be equitable, which is asking the court to to issue an an order to force someone to actually do something. Uh, and in this case, it would be seeking an injunction to uh, 
require the former employee to not be employed uh, at his new employer for X amount of time, uh, and also issuing an injunction against the new employer saying, uh, no, you cannot put this person in your employ for until his non-compete clause runs out. And so that's really where that risk comes in on the, the new employers. And um, moreover, it, you know, once you start talking about, uh, you know, it's not just the employment, but if this person was uh, you know, a, a key player and they had access to all your confidential information as, as their former employer, uh, there's probably some suspicion that one of the reasons the new employer hired that person is to utilize that confidential information and gain value from that. And then you are risking, uh, uh, you know, the new employer is risking you know, discovery into what, what has that employee told them? What kind of documents have they brought over? What kind of efforts have been made to, um, to try to scout other employees there at, at the former employee's um, company? Uh, and, and those damages can be monetary without a doubt. So, uh, consistency in everything, including price, reliability, quality, not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer's not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer's a two. Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over 100 countries, and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm going to tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? People love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos to share than the ones on Schweiss doors social accounts these guys post some incredible things make sure to go there and like and share their facebook and instagram post with your business account so if you like their business account you can share their uh, their post the bifold doors are awesome and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them go right now to schweiss door on facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page oh and don't forget no one builds a better bifold than Schweiss. And, you know, we, we talk about things going to court, but there are also situations where 
I've seen uh, the former employer reach out to the new employer and say, we are going to bring this, uh, this lawsuit against you. Um, however, you know, perhaps we can work out some arrangement amongst ourselves as employers to uh, either nullify or lessen the effects of that non-compete. In other words, if you, you know, promise to do X or promise to pay me X, then uh, we will nullify the non-compete clause and go ahead and let the former employee uh, begin working for you now. So it's, it's important, you know, I, I always tell my clients, and I've told you many times, um, principal doesn't, you know, put a roof over your head. Uh, it, it's the money you bring in and uh, the reputation of your company. And if we can avoid going to court, that's the preferable solution. So let's get creative about how we can keep, you know, preserve your brand name, not look like a bully in the industry. Yep. And um, that's important. You know, I just want to say real quick. I think that if you have to enforce everything by lawsuits, then you're not doing stuff right in the first place. Um, that's right. You know, I just came to you, Phil, probably more serious about doing something for the first time in a long time. Uh, first time ever, really. I've, I've gotten mad and done stuff, but never followed through with it. But um, I've never really been on the offensive side where I've needed to use an attorney. It's always like defending myself. Um, and one thing that I, I have learned about the garage door industry and my other attorney, Sam, who's phenomenal. Uh, I've got two freaking great attorneys. Uh, but Sam straight up told me that she's never in all her days of practicing law, uh, seen an industry where, and I gotta be careful here, I guess, um, it's so like political, so um, kind of childish in a way, right? And you got these like grown men running these companies and it's just like, um, it's, it's, it's baffling to me. I experience it. I'm experiencing it now um, where I've got like someone who I feel like doesn't like me is trying to block me in certain areas. Um, and, uh, you know, there's no reason I don't even talk to the guy. Like he's just doesn't like the fact that I sell a certain door and you know, that to me, why am I even part of your conversation? Why am I part of your day? Why am I even in your head? Like do right. your business, right? Like I think a lot of times if we just focus on us and what we can control, and we, we don't have to, and I know this is probably hurting your business because uh, if everybody had this mentality, you probably wouldn't be needed. But um, <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, the days of sitting around a table and having conversation and figuring things out like grown men are over, or even if you got to roll the sleeves up and take a couple blows, I mean, still, that's better, in my opinion, than, you know, going to the courtroom and he did this and he did that. And you know what I'm saying? Like, really are we here like are you serious right now i mean this is like child's play and then we gotta have a mediator and then you gotta have a judge and i mean like 
we can do better. I just think we can do better. Like our industry, just everybody's so happy. Everybody's political. Everybody's like, and, and, you know, maybe I think there's days where, you know, I talk to my wife, like what in the world am I doing in the door industry? And she, she brought it up to me and I've thought about it myself is maybe I'm here to create change because I really don't care. Like, what people think about me. Uh, I treat people very good. And if you cross me, I get mad and sometimes say stuff that I shouldn't. Like the other day, I said some stuff that was kind of nasty to a guy. And I immediately felt guilty. And probably before he even got home, I was on the phone apologizing to him because I'm a softy now. But <laughs> at the same time, here I am, like, you know, trying to navigate this as a small business. And, you know, uh, you know my situation. I'm not going to go into it, uh, you know, here. And and it'll all come to the surface. So I'm kind of planning the perfect uh, announcement, which should be very interesting, by the way. Um, oh but, like, you have these situations where it's like, oh, my goodness, are you serious? Like, why are we spending this time on this? And, and, you know, you got uh LiftMaster and genie going at it. You got, you know, these big corporations that are kind of bullying dealers and you've got um, you got manufacturers that are, you know, it, it's just total chaos. I feel like, and um, you know, no offense, but I would rather just sit, let somebody say, Hey, I got a problem with you. Great. We can either talk it out over the phone or we can meet at expo and duke it out. Like what you want to do. I feel like that's so much better. And I'm not saying I'm going to win every fight. You may knock me out, but we're going to probably feel better afterwards. You ever been like in a fight with somebody and then afterwards it's like you let all your aggression out. And now it's like, you weren't so bad after all. I'm friends with almost everybody I'd ever gotten in a fight with. Almost so how every, fights like generally work? Like you guys duke it out and then you hug each other at the end. It. Like, is that what happens? That's it. But you know what? We've lost our manhood and now we have to do everything in the courtroom because, you know, somebody's uh, yeah. going to sue somebody for hitting them harder than the other person. Um, well, and, and Ryan, the, the, it kind of goes back to the old joke that a town where it only has one lawyer, that lawyer's going to starve. But if there are two lawyers, they're both going to eat really well in the same town, you know what I mean? And um, they, they, there's a place for attorneys and they're, they're necessary uh, to, to businesses, not, you know, just taking litigation outside of it, um, you know, navigating the rules, regulations of your industry, uh, employment laws, um, immigration laws, things like that, that they're necessary, but um, litigation should be, I agree with you, a, a last resort. And oftentimes I find that if there's not too much animosity between my client and another client uh, or in, in the person they're, um, they're uh, going up against or they have a dispute with, then we can sit down and, and find a way to resolve the issue amicably. And it saves them money and it saves them sleepless nights. And uh, in the end, everyone can get back to making uh, making money, which is, you know, why you got into the industry in the first place. So how do you not ruin your marriage and present a, um, you know, uh, what's it called? What is it when you get married and you're like, Hey, if we get divorced, you can't have my money. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. How do you, now, now how family do you, law is way outside. No, my I know. Range. I'm just using that as like a, an analogy. An analogy. Like, you know, I think the onboarding process is so important right. and it's like, everything's going smooth and then they're going through the handbook or the, you know, signing all their papers on their first day and then bam, it's like, sure. wait a sure. minute. Like, I, I, I think the, I, I think the narrative here is, is to say, look, you know, we, we're going to be uh, entrusting you as, a, as an employee with a lot of confidential information that is integral to the success of our business, to what we have built here so far, and to where we see our company going in the future. And we want you um, on that ride into the future. And uh, But as part of that, you are going to be privy to information that is not public and that uh, if that information were to go public, then we would uh, suffer for it. And because of that, we have to protect ourselves and we require employees to sign a confidentiality provision, a non-compete provision, uh, and a non-solicitation provision um, or, or a combination of those three. But um, you know, from the employee standpoint, you know, if it's someone who's just changing the oil in your fleet of trucks, um, there's no reason to have them sign that. And so what's, what, what's key for em employers is to, um, to, you know, seek legal advice, to have the attorney sit down, understand, you know, the aspects of your business, and to identify those key personnel who do present a risk of harming your business if they were to leave or disclose valuable information. And then as you alluded to earlier, tailor your non-competes and your non-solicitations and, and non-disclosures to the level of threat that an employee leaving your company presents to you. And still on the employee side, you know, they, they don't have to take the job, but I, I have um, certainly seen circumstances where an employee says, you know, this is a two-year provision and the, you know, the restriction is 70 miles away. You know, I got to make a living and by accepting this job, uh, if I'm restricted to that, I think that that is, is patently unreasonable. And what if we were to break it down to a 35 mile radius and to a six month term? Could we agree to that, Mr. Employer? Um, and of course- From an employer standpoint, um, just another twist on that, something that I've always been cautious of, like, um, are are you is it okay for an employer to make that exception for one employee and or does that open us up for discrimination stuff because you might have like you know that's one thing that was told to me years ago before I was even a business owner like you got to be really careful about doing certain benefits for certain people and then let's say you know you only have uh, one minority employee and then uh, they quit because of something they don't feel like they were treated fairly and then an investigation opens up and they find out that you did this particular thing for like a white person but didn't do it for the minority um, is that a thing or am I overthinking it completely well 
Well, I think that there there are certainly concerns within the within businesses and uh, you know in society itself to make sure that there is not discrimination in the workplace based on any um, you know immutable attribute that someone has. I mean that that is unfair. It is wrong and. There are certainly instances where that has been done, um, but what we're talking about here is negotiating a contract. You know, we we said that these clauses are uh, are contracts, and uh, that you know the employers could very well have the you know have the mentality that says this is a take it or leave it. This is company policy, and we don't bend on it. Um, at which point, the employee has to. Or, or prospective employee has got to do a little bit of soul searching and say, you know, are the benefits of accepting employment at this particular employer uh, greater than what I am giving up by signing on to their their policy of, of these restrictive covenants? Um, right. You know, other employers may take a more malleable approach to their their. Uh, contract clauses and and say, you know, th this is up for negotiation. If you feel like anything in here is unfair uh, you know, to you, please let me know because we really want you with us and, um, and, and we want to make sure that you're happy here and that you're comfortable with what you're signing on to. So it kind of goes back to that workplace environment, um, culture within your, you know, your business. Um, and then again, consulting an attorney on these things is is very important. Should your policy be rigid? Should your uh, or should you be more open to negotiate these things? Um, and and this kind of brings me to a point. And this is the second time I, I've talked about getting an attorney involved. You know, there is no one size fits all. Uh, you know, covenant not to compete or non solicitation or, or non disclosure. Um, they are really their enforceability depends upon their reasonableness, and whether they are reasonable depends upon a lot of facts. Uh, you know, how big is your business? How, um, you know, what area do you operate in? Uh, is it a general business that uh, does a lot of things, or is it a really specialty kind of contractor? Um, and because of this, you really do need competent and knowledgeable legal counsel to help you navigate these waters. You know, so many times someone will go and say, oh, well, I've got a buddy who owns a, uh, you know, a, a, a car rental business and uh, he let me have his employment agreement and I, uh, you know, I just kind of copy and pasted that into mine. Well, he's in a totally different industry than your overhead door business. <laughs> So, and because what's reasonable in the car rental industry is may not be reasonable in the overhead door industry and vice versa, uh, you are risking all of these provisions that you've tried to save time and money on uh, by just copying a buddy's or finding something off the internet or getting a, you know, $39.99, you know, internet legal document provider to give you, you know, forms, uh, you've put a lot at risk for the sake of saving money there. And it is important as, as you are looking after your business to consult legal counsel and to review, do a yearly checkup. You know, if you do nothing else, have your attorney go over your handbook. Once you've got it 
you know, tailored to your business and your needs, have them go over it once a year. Laws change. Court cases come down interpreting laws and interpret the application of those laws to your industry. You've got to do a yearly checkup. It, it, much like going to the doctor for preventative care, um, you know, you're going to avoid a lot of expensive surgery if you do that. Uh, you know, if you go to a yearly checkup for your business um, for for its legal needs, then you're going to uh, – it's money well spent. You could avoid extremely costly um, legal issues down the road by doing that. So I just want to put that caveat out there too. It's good to know. So when we're talking about culture, we're talking about legalities, I think there's ways for you to do this. Um, and And to me – one of the most critical components of culture is that the leaders are transparent and honest. Um, you agree, Tamara? You're shaking. I was your head. actually like, I was going to bring this up uh, a second ago because I think the way that you present it when you're discussing this with with an employee, it's like I I feel like a lot of it is in the trans uh, transparency of the presentation for sure. Yeah, and maybe it's brought up early in the conversation, not to the point where it's like, you know the first conversation, but, you know, as things get serious and you're kind of hammering down compensation and stuff before you make the offer, maybe in the offer you put in there like a little sentence or paragraph about, you know, you'll be presented with a non-compete and here's a small breakdown of what's included. Um, that way they haven't quit their job. And on the first day of employment, they're filling out paperwork and they're like, Whoa, what is this? And why am I just now seeing this? I need to get my attorney to look this over. And I'm supposed to be starting today and collecting a paycheck in two weeks. And that, and this is, this is like slapping me in the face. So I feel like that's kind of how most employers do it. Am I wrong? I mean, no. I've worked for, yeah, yeah. And I've worked for Baker Donaldson since I, I got out of law school. So I, you know, um, I can't speak to the way that most, most employers do things um, for, during the, uh, okay, we're ready to offer you a job type of thing. I, I, I think that openness and honesty about uh, your company's policies uh, is key during the hiring process so that the uh, person you are making a job offer to has all of the all the information. Facts that's right, to make an informed decision. Now, that goes both ways now, too. If you're an employee and you are moving from, um, you know. One company to another and you're in a non-compete. One company to another company, and you, you've got to disclose if you've got a non-compete. I mean, if you step up and say, you know, I, I'm looking to change jobs. I am subject to a non-compete that prevents me from, uh, you know, changing jobs and moving to a direct competitor within this radius for this amount of time, um, you know, but I've built a, a, a respect for your company. I want on board. You want me to on board, uh, but we need to address this before anyone incurs any threats of litigation or, you know, that. then the companies can get together and do exactly what we were discussing before. Hey, you know, Bob's not happy with you guys, uh, and, and we'd like to onboard him here, or Bob's life has changed in certain ways that makes him want to go here. Uh, I understand you have a non-compete, and I'd, I'd like to talk to you about what we can do to um, 
to to address this so that we can keep food. That seems like an almost impossible situation here because the employees probably still employed with those people as you're like recruiting them or whatever. And, you know, legally, I think you're putting yourself at risk too by calling the employer and be like, Hey, I'm talking to one of your employees about coming on work here. Right. And then, um, right. So the employee would literally have to quit. Then have the conversation with the employer. Right. Like me call them and be like, you know, whatever. In some scenarios, I see how that would work in the door industry. There's so much animosity, I think, between people that people get like really weird about it. Um, well, and I like what to you do about this. Yeah, what you do about this is is a judgment call based upon you know your situation. Both the employer, the All new, right, new Tamara, employer. Are you going to make it through? Fine. <laughs> yes. Tamara has been fighting something, so I just don't want to see her die on the Zoom call. Yeah, yeah, we might want to, um, we might want to just make that audio only. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, I'll take her but, video off if she starts to choke too bad. Yeah, and and you know, as an employee, and you're out there looking for another job because things have changed in your life, and you want to want to change employers. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a a what you decide to do with your prospective new employer, whether that employer makes a call to your current employer uh, while you're working for them, after you quit them, makes a commitment to hire you at the end of at the end of your um, non-competes uh, time frame. Uh, you know, that's all a judgment call based upon, as you said, if there's a lot of animosity in the industry, how much of a direct competitor are you? Um, is that phone call, if this is your only shot to move companies and this is the only company you want to go to, if that per, if that new company makes that phone call to your current employer, are they going to terminate you right then and there? Um, a lot of people will do that, you know, because uh, you've got confidential information and they want to not give you the um, any more time in, in their system to get confidential records or to threaten how their business works. So it really is a an open and honesty discussion that I think needs to be had during the hiring process and put the heads together and come up with solutions to this. Um, you know, it could even be if, if you are someone who is desired enough by this new company, the new company could say, okay, you know, we'll hire you here's the way we want to do it. And if someone brings a lawsuit, we'll pick up, we'll pick up the tab for it and defend you against it. Um, I wonder if there's insurance for stuff like that. I mean, (laughs) it sounds like a good uh, money-making industry there. Uh, Maybe that's your next venture. Do very well. No, I'm not an insurance (laughs) guy, but um, listen, I think this has been hugely successful because as a business owner, there's a couple things that you've mentioned that I need to probably do better. One is um, get my, I need to get my employee handbook over to you ASAP uh, because I don't actually do that. And I'm going to blame you for bringing that up now. (laughs) Not really. No, I'm just kidding. You probably already brought it up to me. We we have a recorded presentation I've done where I specifically mentioned this. I think you did. I think you did. Yeah. Um, so camera, it was it the GDU the, thing. Yeah. yeah. Put it on the list. I need to get uh, every year. We need to get that over to them, have them check it for new law changes and, um, you know, whatever. Do you check for grammar too, by chance? No, I'm just kidding. I, 
Uh, yeah, I will do that. Uh, the hourly rate goes up. Probably cheaper <laughs> to have me do that. <laughs> so, um, so we've got the annual handbook. I I didn't honestly know that there was repercussions for the business receiving the employee. Um, that's new to me, and so that's very interesting, and a liability that I was unaware of. Um, so that's something that I think is uh, is you know something that I'll consider you know going forward when hiring. Um, and then you know I think you've not sold me on the fact, but definitely presented some angles that I didn't, had not considered before when it comes to um, a non-compete. You know, my mentality is, look, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, like hardcore, and I don't want to hold anybody back from being an entrepreneur. If you want to start your own company and you work here, I will probably help you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just who I am. I'm not threatened by it. I'm not, you, you know, as long as you go out the right way and you don't take my customers and you don't take my employees and, you know, take everything, like take what you've learned. Let me help you. You know, we'll, we'll transition you out. You know, you can go just don't, don't start that until you leave here, but we'll transition you out, communicate with me. I'll teach you some things. Tell you, know, we'll go to dinner we'll talk about it. And I may be like, you know, putting myself in a bad position if I, you know, go to court on this, but I genuinely care about people more than I care about policies and, and work and everything else. And to me, you're just going to have like the repercussions of having someone work here who doesn't want to be here, no matter how good they are is far worse than me locking someone in legally um, I think it's going to cost me more having a good employee that doesn't want to work here working here than it will be having even like a subpar employee who loves to be here. Um, to me, I would rather have the guy who loves to be here. Right. And, you know, you know, I, I agree with you. And I, I think your point in this is that everyone wants to see their employees grow personally, professionally succeed. They want that growth uh, and success to generate more growth and success for the company. Um, but if the employee feels like they have outgrown the company or it's time for them to make that leap of, leap of faith and start their own business uh, or move to a place where they believe offers better opportunity, I, I think what you're saying is I want to see them succeed but I don't want it to be at my expense and I will help them succeed uh, as long as it's not at my expense. And you can accomplish that while still protecting yourself. Um, in your situation, Ryan, you know, it, we get a non-compete together and we, we, you know, provide value to your existing employees for that non-compete. Um, and then you can have that open and honest discussion with all of them and say, listen, um, I want to see you grow. And if that means becoming your own boss or moving to another company, I accept that. Um, but rather than drop the hammer on me when you do that, let me know what you want to do, why you're planning to do it. I can help you along the way, including, you know, if you're subject to this non-compete, we can talk about it at that time. And I can assess the real threat you're leaving 
uh, is going to be to me, and we can narrow it even further. I love um, that, dude. I love you know. that. And that feels good to me. Like if I'm an employee, Absolutely. right? Like you have that conversation with me and you're like, dude, I may be even willing to release you completely to where you don't have that, you know, cloud over you. And you have to wonder if you're ever going to have me like come after you. Like that's an option that we've got and just communicate with me and we'll figure it out. I freaking love that. You're so good, Phil. All right, Phil, <laughs> Well, who's your perfect client? Like he was about to downplay it. I'm not even gonna let you. Phil, who's your perfect client? <laughs> so, um, they pay the bills on time. Um, <laughs> 100%. No. Ours too. Yeah. Uh, and no, I, I, I like someone who, um, you know, likes to play fair in the industry, um, who's a hard worker, cares about their reputation in the industry. Um, you know, my clients, the majority of them are construction companies or somehow related to the construction business. Um, but, you know, and I, I tell those clients that, you know, just because you're uh, you're in the construction industry doesn't mean you're not just a general employer. And you in although I do not personally do the employment law stuff, uh, I've got teams here that do it uh, right down the hall. I work with them on a, a very regular basis. Um, and so, you know, let me introduce you to them and let's get that stuff done. So it's, you know, the perfect client is someone who wants to, um, who recognizes the value in taking a, a preventative approach to their legal needs, to, you know, structuring their business, their employment handbooks and, and um, you know, their operations to prevent having to spend money on me in the future. If you're about to enter into a 40 page contract, why would you not spend some, some time and money with me, having me review that contract, letting you know what you're about to get into, what the risks are, what clauses I think that you might be able to negotiate and how to approach the, uh, you know, whether it's another business or an employee or, or whatever, um, how to approach that other side before you get into the relationship and say, you know, I want to build a long lasting, you know, mutually beneficial relationship with you that we take on through for years upon end. And in order to do that, um, rather than be adversarial and sending a bunch of red lines over to you on this, I'd like to sit down with you and talk about some of my concerns with the wording and what can we do to make sure that this contract fairly allocates risk uh, to where, who can control the risk the most. And um, th those clients rarely run into uh, bad situations with the other side after they've made those uh, contracts, if they've approached it that way. Um, and, and when they do, they've taken the steps up front to ensure that that contract protects them, uh, that they know what's in it, and they're not hit by any uh, you know, surprises when they get a demand letter from the other side's attorney saying, oh, well, really, did you, you might, know? I feel like maybe Baker Donaldson needs to make you the face of the company and <laughs> Uh, because oh, it's kind of like down right there. And I felt <laughs> a little more excitement, like, all right. Yeah. So the way I use Baker Donaldson and my boy, Phil is if we have, um, a company who doesn't want to pay, 
for whatever reason. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. I don't even know if we're allowed to say this, but I won't mention any names. So don't mention had, names. Yeah, we had a we had a client who hired us. We did our job exactly as we were supposed to. And um they we had to chase them and chase them and then they were avoiding payment. Um and so well, I called Phil and I was like, Phil, I'm tired of this, bro. Like, let's do something. I want to get my money. And and Phil knows me. I I will spend ten grand to get four grand a lot of times just because we had an agreement. I just want you to do your part, right? Like, and Phil, and I discourage you from spending that money. You do, do you do? (laughs) Um, You you are good at that. Um, But what's funny is, is I got Phil involved, and it was like the next day I get a phone call on my cell phone. They're like, "Hey, this is." Uh, what's his name? What's so-and-so company? Um, are you guys at the office? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, is your address this and this is? Yeah. Okay. I'm on my way to deliver a check of uh, certified funds. And I just need you to sign like a lien release. And I'm like, okay. And like within an hour, he's like, I'm like, yeah. He's like, here, uh, I just need you to sign this. And here's your check. And he's like, I just need to get out of here. And I'm like, dude, this is the best. I'm like, bro, I just got paid. And he's like, yeah, bro. And uh, what, what had happened was Phil did ransom magic or whatever. And I found out from the company who paid me the check, they told me that the lien somehow got back to the bank and the bank froze all their construction funds for the whole project apparently. And so they were like not able to get any of their funds until they paid us. And I was like, yeah, so, I mean, I thought that was super cool. Um, and, and so uh, Phil's done a phenomenal job. We've used them probably three or four times on collections. And I think we're batting a thousand. Uh, we always get our money and uh, Phil does a phenomenal job. We also use them for uh, contract review when we're doing like a big commercial job uh, with a contractor. And uh, he's very good about, you know, finding things in there. He actually, what's good about him is he knows like what sections to really pay attention to. And, um, and, and so, uh, and he kind of teaches us and we learn as we go, like what to look for and things like that. So I think that's cool. Um, so, uh, if you guys need his services, how do they get a hold of you, um, for anything? And you're extremely resourceful. So sure. even if you guys are looking for things, he's always pretty cool about matching you up with other attorneys, um, either within Baker Donaldson or, uh, whatever, but. Um, how do they get a hold of you, and can you practice outside of Georgia? Okay, so um, I, I cannot practice outside of Georgia. Um, I'm, I'm only licensed in the state of Georgia, but uh, Baker Donaldson has a southeastern footprint, a southeastern kind of feel to us. Um, we are, you know, from Texas pretty much up to Baltimore, um, and we practice in just a a, a ton of different areas. We've got, uh, I want to say, uh, it's around 700 or so attorneys. Um, we've been around since the, I think we traced our roots back to the uh, uh, late 1800s as a company. And um, and we, we have extremely experienced, professional, competent, um, and effective attorneys in you know, nearly any practice area that a business could uh, could need from employment law to immigration to mergers and acquisitions. Um, 
so in construction, my industry as well, we have an exceptional construction team. So um, we, we do not, you know, we, we can't represent individual employees against employers or, you know, because we have a, a positional uh, stance. We represent employers in, uh, in you know, transactional issues and, uh, and then litigation if, if it occurs. But uh, they can get in touch with me at uh, pparum at bakerdonaldson.com. Uh, that's P-P-A-R-H-A-M at baker, B-A-K-E-R, Donaldson, D-O-N-E-L-S-O-N dot com. Uh, just shoot me an email uh, and introduce yourself. Tell me where you, you, you know, heard me from in this podcast. Uh, and if I can't help you, I will certainly do my best to find someone who can help you. Um, but that's, uh, that's how Good you job. get in touch with this was super inform like uh informational and I'm very grateful for your time. I know you um your time is valuable because you live off of billing by the hour. So uh <laughs> I appreciate Phil agreed to come on and do this for free. Um so I'm hoping Wait, was that the was that all right, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh I need to get them some billable hours. So you guys reach out to them, send them your, send them your, uh, your, uh, your employee agreements, make sure he looks them over. Um, And uh, if you need collections, he's like, he's got the resources y'all reach out to him, send him an email and uh, he'll get you in the right place. If he can't help you. I really appreciate you coming on, dude. I owe you one. And um I, Tamara, you should be very proud of me. I got through a whole podcast without going into a conversation about metaverse and crypto. Hey, well, you did mention it. So I, well, I mean, I don't. I mentioned it in a way that was like not mentioning it. Oh, I see. Kind of. So that's a rule breaker. I'm gonna go get well, a we'll have that conversation offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, next time I go shooting, we're going to, uh, I got y'all, I got a new, uh, scope and, uh, my boy here. Um, we're, we, yeah. So we, I'm really excited about checking that out and, um, playing with that. And, uh, well, we'll have to end the range. So. Yeah. We, we, I got a membership to a local range that has a hundred yard indoor, uh, range and, uh, it's my new hobby. I'm really enjoying it. So listen, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for supporting the podcast. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors and make sure you hit up Phil if you need them. Um, you guys are awesome. Stay safe out there. And um, oh, by the way, GDU is growing like wildfire. We've got a lot of new people, um, new groups. We've shuffled the deck a little bit. Uh, if you guys are interested in joining GDU, becoming a better leader uh, in your home and your business, getting answers, being resourceful with other business owners, having that connection. It's phenomenal. Uh, so we would really appreciate if you go to garagedoorU.com to apply to join. Uh, we look over every application. Uh, there's a certain level of commitment that's involved with it, uh, but we're trying to keep that quality high. So if you're interested, make sure to check that out. And uh, that's it. Have a wonderful day.